Patagonia's dope. <laughs> uh, we got our butts kicked today by uh, rock sand. In mountains, huge In mountains. mountains, full of ice and wind and rain. And we finally got the tent up, at least <laughs> partially. Half of it is on uh, a pile of cow shit. Half of it is up against a bush. And we're contemplating whether or not we have the energy to feed ourselves. I have been hit with a bout of just kind of stomach, I don't know, something with my stomach. And I unfortunately told Ty it feels as if I am full of 1,000 farts. And I just released one and now we're at 999 it's, it's like a circus freak show attraction, the tent of a thousand farts. <laughs> oh, there was one point today where we were climbing up a hill and we were climbing and climbing and all of my body just wished that my bike on the other side of the hill would just roll into a <laughs> giant tent and I could just fall over and, and sleep in a giant pile of coziness. Oh, soon enough we'll be there. Oh, yeah, as soon as we get all these farts out, should be should be right there. <laughs> Arturo Marán. Arturo, ¿de dónde? Estamos aquí de Saicedo. Welcome, you are listening to the Spoken Tour. Bienvenidos, están escuchando the Spoken Tour. Bienvenue, vous écoutez the Spoken Tour. Su Mahamuskai Kichik, Uyarishin Kichik, the Spoken Tour. Tuesday, May 29th, 2018, and we are recording from El Chalten, Argentina, episode 19, in one of our more unique recording studios that we've had so far. It is the innards of a Mitsubishi L300 van. For those of you who are not familiar with the Mitsubishi L300, it was not specifically designed for acoustic recording. But uh, we're making do with what we've got, and it is certainly not lacking in any coziness. No. Um, but uh, what was lacking in coziness was the temperatures that we've been riding in for the last month uh, throughout Chilean and Argentinian Patagonia, uh, leading to probably hours and hours and hours of... Riding without the feeling in your toes, your fingers, your nose. Also a lot of 11, 12-hour sleeps. <laughs> yes, the sun has been setting around 7 p.m. and it does not rise 
until about 9.30 a.m., so just a lot of tent time. A lot of tent time. Yeah, but... And uh, and a lot of time spent thinking where we're going to put the tent (laughs) and praying to the good Lord above that it's not just on some exposed piece of ground because that would be guaranteed freezing. Yeah, we've been getting creative with where... with, With trying to find just any form of shelter to put our tent under, um, which I would say 98% of that has been successful and good. There was a two, the 2% Yeah, within within that 2%, there was a certain event. Yeah, we, uh, we've made, we've kind of befriended the Argentinian snow plowmen and we've spent... transit authority. we've spent a few nights in their sheds, their, I don't know, their places to stay. (laughs) Hangouts. And, uh... We were sleeping one night in our tent outside in uh, outside of their their winter wood pile, and uh, woke up the next morning. There was a little cat purring that like brought me out of sleep. But it's like that moment before you fully get up. It's like your eyes are closed, but you're still sleeping. When I was fully brought awake by um, a just a, a skull crushing feeling, um, and little did I actually know that my skull had gotten crushed by a 40-pound log that this little effing cat had, uh, I'm not sure if it was intentional or not, but uh, dislodged off the top of the wood pile, and it, I kid you not, landed directly onto my my, my head, um, and that caused, I would say that's the worst either of us has gotten hurt on the trip. And, of yeah. course, it happened in the last two weeks of riding of the entire trip. The first time I've gotten out my my wilderness first responder notebook and I'm trying to walk my half-concussed ass through, like, the concussion protocol, which I, it's like, how am I supposed to walk myself through that if I'm freaking concussed myself? Yeah, and, and I was not in a good place to help because I had been rudely waken up by Tom screaming, you know, I'm frustrated, uh, I'm, I'm ill-rested. And it was just a tough day for me personally yeah, man. I'm, um, to I, be experiencing all of that. I, so, I never really apologized for waking you up like that. I'm really sorry. Yeah, we both had a yeah. tough morning. Um, <laughs> but, but we made do. We got through it. And uh, and after that horrific event, we, <laughs> we picked up the pieces and accomplished... The f- the freaking thing that we've been doing we this it. whole time, we did it. We did the damn thing. Yeah, about like five days after Tom's skull was crushed, <laughs> um, we recuperated and we rode our asses to Punta Arenas, Chile, which has been our finish line that we have been fantasizing about since May eighth, two thousand seventeen. Yeah, a year of riding our bikes through every single possible place imaginable. Um, and we arrived to the main plaza in Punta Arenas, and we were just beautifully, completely, utterly exhausted after, like you've been saying, just leaving everything on the road. Just Yeah, the last few days it was like, you know, this wave has been building throughout the whole trip, and in the last few days we were at the peak, peak, peak of this wave, this emotional wave, and then we just tore down the face of this wave on the final ride into Punta Arenas, left it all on the road, got to the plaza there in the middle of town, and were kind of speechless, um, both due to exhaustion and the entire reflection of a year plus um, doing this adventure. Um, All of that coming to a single moment, a single feeling of accomplishment and completion, 
and it was very difficult to express. It's still difficult to express, but it was just absolutely, oh, it was... It was the end of a journey that we had no clue what the hell we were getting ourselves into in the first place. So like we still don't know what the hell it was arriving there. It's perfect that you're fucking speechless because neither of us have a clue what it meant, what it means, what it's going to do. Like, I think that is in itself. That's that's exactly that's exactly it. And I think uh, there was no better celebration than the next day having um, our one of our very, very best friends, uh, join us in Punta Arenas for, um, a hodgepodge journey back north to Santiago, um, then the one and only, the Taylor Michael Schutte. Wow. Thank you. This is, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, gentlemen. All you dreamers out there listening, I uh, just want to serve in as, as an example that you too, uh, you know, you set your you set your sights out for something big like being a guest on the spoken tour. It can happen. It can happen. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, man. Before yeah, season two. Before Shooty was a guest, um, he's literally he's been behind every single uh, episode and every single visit to our website that anybody has ever paid to us. Um, he built the website. He he composed the uh, the outro, the theme song of our trip. And he's been a constant source of inspiration. Fielding our ridiculous technical difficulties. Please, in the, guys, please. The yeah. mountains please. of Peru. Like, just, how Judy help? It's like, you know, uh, uh, in and out phone call. Just putting everything on his plate. You might yeah. you might call me your patron saint. Yes. Know, if that's fair. I think that's very fair. I, would say and a lot of people, I don't want to be out of line. A here. lot of people no. never get to hang out in person with their patron saint. So we're feeling pretty fortunate to <laughs> have you secular... Here. Patrons, <laughs> happy to be here. Yeah, no, it's been. Uh, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Uh, this is my first podcast appearance appearance in total. Uh, so that's a, really? that's a big checkbox for me. That's today. surprising. Well, yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to be here. Um, it's been incredible. I was able to uh, take a healthy chunk of time off of work, leave my laptop behind. As you guys know, I learned how to code in this past year. Uh, it was wonderful to be able to. Uh, use the boot camp I was going through to build you guys the website, take it through some iterations, improve my own craft. Uh, and it's, it's been, it was crazy. You're I remember. Welcome. What's that? <laughs> thank, you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. I appreciate the, uh, the canvas if you will. I mean, it's, it's been crazy. I remember when I started, uh, building the website, how I, I just laughed at how different our lives had kind of uh launched you know five years ago we were backpacking through very similar territory down here yeah uh, in southern chile and uh you know little dips into argentina and you know the way that my life uh, ended up five years later was coding and you know typing away and kind of being locked behind a computer screen in a very engaging way that i was very surprised by and you guys were uh launching off in a different direction of like total out in the world, moving your bodies, uh, you know, just giving yourselves up very vulnerably to the, the kindness of strangers, which has been my favorite uh, theme of the show. And uh, I, I, it's been a treat to listen to the podcast, catch up with you guys every once in a while, um, you know, and, and, and compare just how, you know, we are, uh, like we like we told the, the border agents, you know, like we're hermanos del, del alma, see, like <laughs> yeah. uh, del alma. And, 
We're, you know, soul brothers who <laughs> have found different ways to kind of move through life and evolve and grow. Um, and, you know, in the last year, Hannah and I moved to Detroit uh, for her dreams, and that's been amazing to see come to fruition. And we bought a house, and I have this new job, and I'm doing things that are much more, uh, you know, I guess they're not as, like, shocking as, as what you guys are doing. Um, but it, it has been cool to see us both growing in different ways. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, for one, am damn grateful to be sleeping head to toe with you guys every night um <laughs> as much as i miss our my warm and stable predictable bed with hannah uh in detroit it is it is a true blessing to be uh sharing fun-filled days extremely large dinners that i am not accustomed <laughs> to before i got here i was like eating practically nothing because i'm not biking 60 miles a day and so um yeah plenty of wine and great rice dishes and then we we come to sleep and share the hobbit read aloud and <laughs> yeah this has been great. probably the most stable routine we've had in the last year yeah 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 and i i love i love that idea of of of, of stability being being so foreign to to uh to ty and i right now and um i had uh tried to record a little clip about kind of that exact that exact theme of stability and adaptability and and uh reaching the one year mark of being on our bikes and um so while we were slogging up a big climb um on the Carretera Austral I I gave it a shot and tried to record something uh while riding uphill so please excuse the crunching gravel my heavy breathing and sniffling in the cold um in this next clip here I was just thinking, as I tend to do while riding my bike to Patagonia, is that we're getting closer to have been on our bikes for a year, and you know, you just think about all the places we've gone every, pretty much every day being somewhere new, and then the thought crossed my mind, well, there's a humongous condor humongous um the thought crossed my mind that we've probably slept in over 300 different places <laughs> and uh that just is a is a funny thought to me like in one in the span of one year having slept individually in 300 different locations where you know the past I don't know, five years prior, maybe I've slept in, I don't know, 50 different places, I don't know, 100 tops, but yeah, that thought of 300 different places over the course of this trip, and then that snowballed into the thought that made me laugh out loud by myself here, of how the... 10-year-old Tommy Crosby, that would be, I think, the scariest thought, idea, proposal on the face of the planet. Because, as much as I hate to admit it, when I was, I, I can't even say like a young boy, like, well, into my teenage years, I was, I could not, I could not have sleepover. I was totally the kid who would give my parents, you know, the the 2 a.m. call. Hey, you know, Tommy's just, I, I don't think he's gonna make it through the night. You gotta come pick him up. 
Oh man, like just without fail. I, I was thinking of like from the time I tried to have my first sleepover to like even my cousin's house, like the home of my godparents. I would just I would just wimp out and couldn't do it. But I don't know, it's just it's just this funny thought of that you know ten no not ten. Maybe like fifteen 13, 12-ish years ago, the idea of a trip like this and, you know, just like the subtle detail of not having a home to go to and sleeping in different places, how a previous version of me would never in a million years do that. And now it has just become so perfectly normal to wake up in the morning in a place I've never been and set off blindly, knowing that the plan that we have of a place to sleep could be well cut short by a storm or a bike problem or unforeseen circumstances, and we will have absolutely no idea where we will be ending our day, spending the night. And it's just cool to think that we have become experts at the unexpected, and it's 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 this this level of adaptability that I think uh, not that I think I know I'm so excited to see how that translates into you know a year from now when I'm back to having a single place to sleep at night instead of hundreds and hundreds of different locations but uh it's just it's just cool how that part of me has evolved and changed been erased it's just it's just cool to see how how that part of me has evolved and then you know it's inevitable to think of okay well what what right now are things that you know I consider weaknesses or I struggle with like my stubbornness or one thing that has gotten in the way of tying my dynamic has been my inability to compromise and you know, it's like being much more self-aware than I was when I was 12 about not having to, not being able to have sleepovers. It's much different now having the self-awareness of, okay, you know, if I want to be a more successful human being, friend, partner, whatever, hopefully 12, 15 years from now, I'll be laughing at how, you know, I've evolved out of that stage of being stubborn and unable to compromise and I don't know just it's just a cool just a cool thought as we as we approach the year mark wow Joe and Betts getting the call (laughs) that's amazing thank you you, mom and dad (laughs) as someone who uh who met Tommy in college uh as a he had a reputation for a bit of a lone wolf we were in kind of a one of those culty leadership programs where everyone was always doing group. We're all going out to this. We're all going out to that. And Tommy's like, no, nah, man, like, I'll catch you, I'll catch you cats later. <laughs> that that's some that's some poetic license, but like a very cool vibe. Everyone was like, man, Tommy's cool. Like, I, I wish he hung out with us. And, <laughs> and and then literally, like, he Tommy has brought so much adventure and has been a great role model for me for me of learning how to 
um, make the most of your experiences and um, really make the most of, yeah, of your waking hours. And uh, it's, I really appreciate sharing that you sharing that clip, Tom, because it, um, I think it, it's always valuable to understand that uh, anytime you put someone in a position of like a role model or when you um, valorize someone, you know, it, it's good to have a reminder that everyone has their own or their humble origins, right? And mm -hmm. so, um, that's that's really cool to hear uh, and yeah here we are uh, a year later no calls home to Joe and Betts and <laughs> you're killing it uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> cheers cheers uh, Ty what about like you, you know what's the year mark mean to you like what, what have your meditations on on this like symbolic achievement been uh, I think you both both you got Tom in your in your um, climbing clip there from the road and shooty just now um, both you guys kind of touched on um like the the intersection of personal achievement versus like your personal relationships um and i think this trip has been like a, a zenith of that phenomenon for tom and i like each kind of setting out to accomplish this goal and in order to do that like relying super heavily on each other and, uh, Tom, I appreciate what you said in the clip about, like, recognizing, uh, some of, like, the things that you wanted to work on in yourself, and God knows I've, I've had similar, re uh, revelations of, um, like, things when our chemistry is a little bit off, and, and how I can use this experience, the, the partnership from you and I, in our efforts to, to pull this trip off, how I can use that experience to, like, improve relationships down the road, and so that has been like a big, big thing for me where like not only just having this awesome kind of life changing adventure, but uh, taking the time and putting in the energy to like observe things um, within this adventure that can serve me later on, like with my relationships, you know, with other loved ones, friends, family, um, because it, it has been such a, a huge test for us that... Uh, I think we would be doing a, a disservice and a discredit to ourselves if we didn't like hold on to some of these lessons that we've learned and and make ourselves better down the road. Totally. Um, as a result. Yeah, I think that it, the last it's been really funny for me on my bike like the last month there'll be I think maybe also just cuz it's the relief of the days when we've been riding in super shitty headwinds. Mm, yeah. There'll be Moments where one of us will be kind of like the the bruiser going out front, and letting the other one draft. Yeah, and then which is funny. Up until we hit these <laughs> these Patagonia headwinds, Tom claimed to not believe in drafting, which I admit to using to my advantage because there were days where I would just sit behind him and just you know cruise along in a high cadence, not working that hard. You're probably right, Tom. That's <laughs> yeah. garbage. Yeah. yeah, Tom, this drafting's full of shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but but yeah, it was definitely uh, it did it. It became more of a team effort. Um, I guess the farther south we got, and the yeah. more conditions and kind of got. Yeah, gnarlier. like the there was there was a few moments in particular where there's been a handful of moments on the bike where I personally have gotten like very emotional just while riding, like oh, yeah, oh, verge yeah. of tears, yeah. just like I don't know something hits you and you're just like oh wow okay yeah. yes everything is clicking the way it should. But there've been maybe two or three times in the last month where you've pulled ahead and you know we're we're riding like three feet away from each other and you pull ahead and I just start I start like thinking about you. <laughs> <And then> I'm, <laughs> like, 
like Ty, like oh, like just just my my guy, my my friend, and then this idea, this idea of um, that that you planted in my head. I think even before we left, of or maybe when we had our first fight on the trip over the pasta, <laughs> pasta potatoes, potatoes. This idea of um, if we arrive in Punta Arenas and our relationship is not better off this whole trip has been a wash and I've been thinking of you as a friend up until the last you know month and a half or two and then it crossed this threshold of like the, the friends are we are not friends like, I, I, we, we, are, we are we are we are brothers like we are we are absolute brothers and I think that has helped me explain to my own self and justify those moments when we're in our rawest form of yeah. just pissed the F off at each other, mm-hmm. not talking for a whole day, just like, you know, but still riding and riding and trudging and eating and, you know, not giving each, not looking at each other. It's like, no, you're, we're not, it's not friends. It's not that we're doing that as friends. We're doing that as brothers. We're doing that as two people who have seen every possible side of each other and like you were saying i think we'd be doing our total disservice if we've take that new it it sucks for you and sucks for me that we've been at the receiving end like you've been at the receiving end of my worst stubbornness that's ever been shown and my worst inability to accept change that's ever been shown and, and likewise yeah, with my yeah. passive aggressivity and, and, it's, and, and, it's, and it's, we we are we've we've seen that maxed out more than anyone else in the world has seen yeah and i think just like you said if we don't use that the shit that we've thrown at each other to make ourselves better men better brothers better whatever mm-hmm. then yeah we've we've this whole freaking trip has been a wash yeah but yeah i've i've just really loved that thought of um no, yeah, God, no, we're not, uh, friends are long gone. Like, the, the, <laughs> we crossed that yeah. boundary a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, that, uh, that puts it in a very good perspective, he, even for me. And like, you know, I've been trying to, to come to some sort of, uh, resolution with this idea, um, like for a long time, like, like how, um, yeah, like what, what is, what's the framework of our relationship moving forward? And, uh, it, one thing that I kept coming back to was like, you know, we knew all the positive things about each other that going into the trip. Like, we wouldn't have signed on if we didn't, you know, identify things that uh, we enjoyed about one another. And so, in a way, it was, like, only natural for the trip to bring out the negative things. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> shit, you're spending every single day for a year straight <laughs> with one person. But it's bound to happen. And every single minute of every single day. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, kind of like using each other as a mirror in that sense for, like, what is it about my own behavior, my own reactions, um, that is, like, it is kind of perpetuating, um, this, this, like, I guess, like, frazzle that we get ourselves into. And, yeah, it's been, like, a huge growing experience, um, just personal growth of, like, how, how I want to behave, how I want to treat people, um, and also, like, how, how I want to, um, demand, not demand, but, but, like, how, how we should be presenting ourselves 
to other people and I guess to receive that that uh, kind of treatment that that we feel we're all deserved. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. And I, I think uh, it's cool. And, and just for our audience, uh, that was a live revelation. You should have seen the guys' faces. They were It was touching. <laughs> was touching. Uh, no, but it, it reminds me of this idea that um, you, know, you think of a pendulum and uh, in life, like there is no such thing as only – uh, if, we, if, if we can think of like a pendulum swinging from one uh, terminus to another, back and forth, back and forth, uh, you know, if you take it from the middle and bring it super high on the right, it's going to come to an almost high point on the left, right? Because we have some friction and physics is, you know, it's, it's fallible in the real <laughs> world, of course. <laughs> we know this. Uh, but it's the idea is that the higher you bring it on one side, it's going to go higher, not higher than yeah, the right yeah. side, but it's, yeah. you know, it's it, there's a balance there. And so... Uh, with anything, relationships, experiences, you know, you can you can minimize the bad. Say the the two poles we're talking about are positive experiences and negative experiences. You can minimize the negative experiences, but I am a big believer that by trying to minimize the scope of negative, you're also minimizing the scope of positive. And so, by uh, learning to love each other so wholeheartedly, um, it's bound to open up. Like that has to swing just. Just for like the balance of the universe, yeah. right? Um, if you want, and to, if you and to want know, higher highs, you gotta be able exactly. to deal with the lower lows. Exactly. Like yeah. deep joy uh, is totally predicated by deep sorrow. To, to like and understand that you can never uh, have it have one forever. Um, so that that's really cool to hear. Um, that that's kind of what I'm hearing as as you guys uh, talk about that. Um, it's fascinating. Um, just as someone who uh, is similarly interested in uh, soul mining, you know, trying to unearth meaning and, and uh, significance in these endeavors that we take, um, even though that, you know, there's that the great line from the movie we were all uh, inspired by, 180 degrees south, the conquistadors of the useless. Yeah. Um, there's always a use for it, right? It's the, the, the surface level of like, why climb your, you know, your wild ass up a mountain and just come back down right like the on the surface there is no apparent reason but the the lessons you learn the perspective you gain um is really powerful and uh it's been cool for me to also just as your friend your friends to um try to make sense of you know we know logically that this is a huge achievement right that it's it's totally unusual um, not anyone could do it. Although for you guys, uh, you know, you, you are before this trip, you're already outstanding athletes. Uh, so I don't think I, no part of me was ever impressed that you guys were ever going to physically move yourselves to, from Denver, Colorado to Punta Arenas, Chile. Um, but more and more as a, as an outsider looking in, uh, this is like the theme that I see is that it was such a relationship achievement that I don't think many people could do. And I think that's really what speaks uh, volumes of both of your characters and your willingness uh, to commit to self-improvement. And I, for one, am very proud to, to be in your guys' uh, circle of friendship. Uh, and yeah, so like I'm curious more about, you know, we can think of this in two ways of, ach of achievement. One is that living a year on the road on your bikes, one pair of pants, by God, Tommy, yours are hanging on <laughs> by a literal thread <laughs> with a admirable but sketchy patch job completed last night. Um, yeah, like 
whether it's within the context of uh, this adventuring for a year without a stable sense of home or just achieving a big dream, this, you know, abstract thought you had in your head of like, I wonder if I could bike to the southern end of the American continents. Uh, what, what have you learned about not only your relationships with each other, but as you come back into um, the... I'm just going to say the quote-unquote normal world where most people spend their day-to-day. How do you think you'll approach relationships differently? If we can accept, and at first I'd love to hear uh, either of your your thoughts on, you know, was this ultimately more of a relationship goal or uh, achievement than a physical or like a um, endurance challenge for you guys? Uh, And uh, regardless of that, how, yeah, coming back, how will your uh, relationships and your approach to them be different? Whoever's feeling, I think uh, bubbly. It was definitely a harder, a, a more trying relationship accomplishment, and I don't think I really um, appreciated. I get the the progress of uh, our dynamic until the last few weeks. Um, we were staying at this hostel and cooking dinner, and these other people in the hostel were just observing us cook dinner, and they're like, "Wait, you guys, you guys look like you've been traveling together for a long time." And then I think, like, the first night that we were cooking in the van, uh, we were just doing the same standard meal that Tom and I have been doing the whole trip. And, uh, Shooty, I think you said something like, I don't know, like, like you were just standing there and we were just all hands on deck, like, throwing shit in without Yeah, uh, I felt, I felt like I had or... paid guides. Like, I was just on some all-inclusive <laughs> yeah. kickback. They're pouring yeah. me mate and cooking me dinner so so that has been like those two experiences um as like an example of how our relationship has almost been operating on an unspoken level because we're just so in the groove with each other um i think that lately especially has illustrated to me like how far we've come together um literally yeah miles and um just like the progress the progress we have made in our own partnership and you know, you heard it here first, folks, that the spoken tour has officially gone unspoken. Hey, <laughs> dad jokes. Um, how how that will affect our relationships back home will probably vary. You know, on a sure on a case to case basis, but no, like, I want one answer. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much like the gist of Tommy's um, clip from the bike is that like it has shown us. Uh, in the most brutal way, all of the faults in our own character, mm. and and it has illustrated to us that if you want to make your relationships better, like admit your faults, mm. you know, be aware of your faults, put the effort in to work on them, um, no matter how uncomfortable that will be, and like be willing to, I guess, be willing to suffer, um, so that you can make your relationships with other people more fruitful more enjoyable in the long run yeah and tom before uh we come to you i'm really falling into the groove of the uh the moderator here feeling it oh (laughs) the it it really brings to mind this idea that you guys have um that there's lots of themes you know my background in sociology and and just the different uh wild routes that i've taken on my my reading journey um you know, the idea of, of lead, leaving the profane, the like the secular world, the day-to-day, to go to the kind of like noble or enlightened uh, 
different land. You know, it shows up in all different types of traditions and cultures. And one of the ways uh, that I have appreciated it best described was in uh, Robert Persig's Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, classic from the 70s that just keeps trickling through to, you know, the the curious reader who's interested in other ways of thinking and being, I think especially, you know, in that, that college age of uh, experimentation and and wandering. And there was a there was a part in that book that I appreciated where he uh, he describes that, you know, there um, we have so much to learn from summiting peaks, right? That like by the process itself of just climbing a mountain and all the things that you have to go through and eventually you get to the top and you have these amazing vistas and you have this newfound sense of perspective of, of your physical world and you've gone through some mental battles and all these things. But if you look around, there's not much living on the summit of, you know, for, for us, we've all done a 14er in Colorado and uh, there's not much living up there, right? Like that's not where life occurs. That fundamentally is a place of temporal... Um, uh, fluidity, like you can't stay. There's no sense of planting roots in these extreme places of uh, exploration and achievement. And so, what you guys have been doing, from my perspective, this major trip, you can't do that for the rest of your lives, right? Like, yeah. there, um, life doesn't grow there. Life grows in the valley. So you have to return to the valleys with this newfound perspective, and that's yeah. really where where life grows on. Uh, and and like, um, that's that's the day to day. And it is so powerful to take breaks from them and get perspective, but you, it's always a return back to that. So I just wanted to like maybe yeah, add another uh, analogy, I guess, to, to serve as maybe a, a reflection point. Um, but Tom, I'd love to hear kind of where your head's at. Oh yeah, I think I think like on onto that onto that note of um, oh yeah of, of returning to the valley of coming down from that summit and and. And trying to justify your reason for for the climb, justify your reason for quitting your job and riding your bike for a year um, to a place that most people haven't heard of. Um, like it, it's 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 this idea. I think for every once in a while on the bike, it's it's like why do I do I have a why? Like why why why? why? Someone asked me why. I gave him kind of a half-ass answer. Like. And I think that the, the, the beautiful part about this whole trip for me is one of the many beautiful parts is uh, just that mischievous kind of that mischievous sense of not being able to justify why the hell we did this mm. um, and not having this romantic answer of, well, why'd you do it? What, what, how, you know, why, why, why'd you, why'd you want to leave on this, this, this big journey? Yeah. And it's because for me, it's because my, I was, I was trusting myself. There was for whatever effing reason I was funneling my thoughts and hopes and wishes mm. and spirit and energy into this idea of wanting to wanting to try some sort of some sort of climb some sort of some sort of journey mm -hmm. some sort of path that mm -hmm. is uncomfortable and um i think it's it's so rad that walking away from this trip and have not having 
arriving to Punta Arenas and not having this light bulb go off of, yeah. oh, yes, this is why we went on this trip. It was because we were running away from this fear of the da-da-da, da-da-da. And it's like, no, uh-huh. hell no. Or, we, or wrapping it up like, this is what we learned. Yeah. X, Y, Z. Yeah, like, yeah, it's like, no, I I, I, I did this because I, I part of, part there was there was this, this gravitational physical, mental, spiritual, gravitational pull towards doing this trip. And I, Tyler and I were both trusting enough to fully give that, give ourselves to that, yeah. that cause, that idea, that, 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 that pull, that, that, that more than just in a daydreaming pull, something that literally is, 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 is pulling you and calls to you like the wild geese. Yes. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's the, that's for me, one of the biggest lessons that, um, I'm taking from this entire trip is returning with a better sense of that, that gut intuition that has brought us successfully through every sketchy ass, weird, crazy circumstance that we've run into over the last yeah. 15,000 miles that, that gut instinct is 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 saying something saying something that that uh, I don't know that should be listened to that that isn't that isn't just a half baked idea yeah. you know or even just like regardless of the the specifics of what your gut instincts are are telling you but realizing that there is enormous value in just like tuning out the the noise the background noise and just listening to your own instincts. Mm. Um, because like, this is not the, the last time in our lives that we'll be confronted with something that we have no experience with and we have no idea how exactly it will be accomplished, but Mm. you just start, start the process, start chipping away at it and leave yourself open to change and leave yourself open to listening to whatever it is that your gut is telling you. And if you're putting in like genuine effort and genuine emotion, like just pouring it all into whatever this task is and you believe in yourself, like, you know, it, you, you can pull it off. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you just got to, I mean, you got to be willing to, to put yourself in those uncomfortable yeah. situations. And I think just the, the ability to do that in like a, in a raw, uninhibited way, there's some sort of not to get hippity dippity here but i feel like there's some sort of i don't know universal type connection where if you're if you're willing and able to make yourself so vulnerable that will be recognized mm-hmm. people yeah. people will be wanting to cling on to that yeah and and help you or or stay away from you or whatever yeah. is right at that moment or follow you yeah. yeah 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 and 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 i think it that's something that only can be achieved in in that sense of okay this i i this is this yeah. isn't that needs to be made this is what needs to be tried yeah, yeah. there's um, a Hannah introduced to me a poem I don't remember the poem in particular but it's a scientific fact that if you have two violins in a room and you strike a note you you know you take your bow and you strike a note on yeah. one the same note is actually vibrating in the other violin it's a beautiful poem uh, if you sh- if you search like two violins striking the same note it's, it's really powerful though because it it's like a natural you know, almost magical example of exactly what you're describing, right? Like if you, the energy that you put off will be sounded in others. Um, and that's kind of like the, again, as a listener, I'm grateful to be here and, and, uh, kind of like be a part of this relatively final reflection, at least for the podcast. And that, 
um, as a listener, the the staple of every episode is the kindness of strangers, right? And like, I think it really speaks to going back to this realization for me that this has been uh, most impressive from my perspective that the way you guys have grown as um, people uh, and, and uh, again, people being in relationships as brothers and partners and sons and uncles and all these things um, that, yeah, the kindness of strangers is like the 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 thing that uh, I think of most when I think of the spoken tour. Well, I think there's no better way to acknowledge the some of the kindest the some of the kindest kindness some of the kindest kindness that we have had um, in this final stretch. All right, first off, to uh, Luisa Ludwig in Puyuapi for welcoming us into your home, giving us a brief history lesson on your town and the origins of the people there. Uh, It was a real treat, and we are very grateful. Thank you. And to Mickey Rush in Koyaike. This was one of the... This was the single most small world moment we've had personally on the entire trip. Um, Mickey, we used the the app Couchsurfing to search for places to stay. Um, I saw Mickey's name, and underneath his name, I saw St. Paul, Minnesota, where I was born and raised. I then texted my buddy Matt Chaffin, Hey, yo, Chaff, this name Mickey Rush, it sounds super familiar. Um, Do you you know this guy? He's like, yeah, I went to grade school with him. I haven't talked to him in, I don't know, a decade, but yeah, he went to Nativity. Nativity is the grade school that's a mile from my house where I grew up. So I'm kind of freaking out, like, whoa, this, this is crazy. This is I'm not, I can't believe this guy's living in, in Koyake. We show up to Mickey's house about 10 p.m. He lets us in. He greets us with uh, a couple couple glasses of Pisco. And we come to find out that Mickey and I grew up two blocks from each other. Literally, the first 18 years of our life were spent 600 feet from each other's houses. And uh, it's one of those moments where you, you, you cannot comprehend... Uh, the size of this trip that Ty and I are doing with just this tiny small world moment of um, classic St. Small, Mickey and I growing up literally two blocks from each other, Creighton and Randolph to the corner of Juno and Finn. Um, So Mickey, thanks a ton for opening your house, and I look forward to seeing you again, dude. Leaving Mickey's house, we ran into some hitchhikers on the road, and after about two or three different leapfrogs with them, um, they extended a handful of cookies to us riding by, and it was awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, Carlos and your lovely wife for sharing mate, mate culture, uh, the rules, the legends around uh, sharing this wonderful drink. Um, Thanks for letting us into your house, letting us warm our toes, warm our hands. It was greatly appreciated. To the Senor Brewmaster of Cerveceria Caiken in Via Cerro Castillo, thank you for the icy cold beers and the camping info in your lovely little town. Um, Ty and I spent a lovely night in a bus stop in the middle of nowhere, um, and just down the block was uh, a, a soul house. That the only we, house. Yeah, the only <laughs> house in probably a 20-mile radius. Um, thank you for letting us in and filling all of our water bottles, water bags, every water vessel um, for, uh, for the next 24 hours. We really appreciate it. And to the honeymooning uh, cyclists from Holland, Marilyn Yoni, who we ran into uh, also southbound on the Carretera Austral, thank you for renewing our hope in cyclists and confirming that we are not the only idiots dumb enough to be heading south into the Patagonian winter. And also for taking us out for pizza and beer. That was dope. 
Um, of course, with the luck Tyler and I have, we arrived to the National Park, Parque Patagonia, on the eve of its season... It's closing for the season, um, so thank you very much to the park rangers, the guardaparques, for letting us camp in the campsites in the park for a couple nights as we cycled our way through. Also, huge shout out to Chris Tompkins um, for taking your millions of dollars and investing it into conserving over 10 million acres and handing it over to the Chilean government um, and creating some of the most wild national parks on our planet. You are a badass. You are a role model. Thank you very much. After crossing the border, we stayed with David in Maui in Lago Posada. And you guys opened up your home, fed us wine, fed us pizza, gave us a scenic tour, and we are grateful. Thank you very much. Juan Carlos in Bajo Caracoles, thank you for making Tyler and I laugh probably it's the hardest we've ever laughed on the entire trip right up there um and giving us a roof over our head a radiator to sleep next to two scraggly mattresses to lay our heads on we cannot tell you how much it was appreciated just to set the scene uh we asked if this guy was juan carlos and he said oh no juan carlos got arrested a couple of weeks ago yeah he was uh he was stealing and molesting tourists who were staying with him and Tom and I just kind of dropped our jaws. We're like, holy shit, yeah. I can't believe we're wow. about to spend the night with this wow. guy. Yeah, thanks for letting us know. And, and Ty, Ty said something funny like, oh, like, K-Mall. K, K like, that's really how, not good. How bad? <laughs> and then after the most dramatic pause that we've ever experienced, he was like, oh, I'm just screwing with you guys. I'm on Carly. <laughs> you can stay with me. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, the following night, we stayed with uh, our first encounter with the Argentinian Transit Authority, a guy named Mauro in Tamalike, opened up his house and his workshop and his home and served us mate and a artisanal <laughs> dinner of boiled horse meat. Yeah, thank that, was you, a, that was a first. Um, in Gobernador Gregores, thank you, Victoria, for opening your home, sharing mate, um, giving us a place to hang out. Um, we had a blast sharing dinner with you. Thank you so much. And then in El Cerrito, our second encounter with the Argentinian highwaymen. Um, and highway cats. And highway cats. Thank you guys for letting us camp. Thank you for, again for serving us mate. And thank you for keeping such a healthily stocked wood pile. Yeah, you did um, great. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thanks, guys. We, uh, really enjoyed the wood pile. Um, to the two guys the morning after waking up in El Cerrito... Um, who let us hitchhike with you as I was physically unable to put a helmet on my head and ride a bike after a giant effing log fell on my head. Um, thank you for giving us a lift. Much appreciated. To the couple of Jeanette and Harley in Via Renoval, uh, thank you guys for not only opening the doors of your firehouse to us, but making sure that we had all of the fixins for a comfortable night. Uh, you brought uh, space heaters. Um, you brought us uh, lamps. You brought us... Uh, history. History. I think you brought us some food. Anyway, it was just a, a great night that was completely unexpected. And uh, Lego, if we had a Hall of Fame for Kindness of Strangers, they're in it. Absolutely, without a doubt. Um, to the homies in the town of Vietelwelche, thank you for having the perfect bus shelter, bus stop for three cyclists to sleep in. The third cyclist being Lucas from Santiago, who we met in kind of the final three-day stretch to Santiago, I mean to Punta Arenas. Um, we shared dinner with them, we shared mate, we shared cookies, laughter, stories, cookies, cookies chip chippers. We, so Lucas, we look forward to hanging out with you again in Santiago, and congratulations on making it to Ushuaia. 
After spending those days with Lucas, we arrived in Punta Arenas and were met by the very own Taylor Michael Schutte, uh, our co-host on this episode. Uh, Mike, what have your experiences been with the kindness of strangers? Boy, thanks for having me back there, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> too many experiences to count, but one stands out. Uh, I want you to, audience, listen to uh, uh, an experience here. Picture... George Clooney in a customs uniform at the Chilean border heading into Argentina. Tommy and Tyler hand over their passports. They have this ticket that says PDI and a bunch of information on it. PDI, big bold letters. My passport does not have this ticket. And I know in an instant that I had this ticket and I threw it away like a supermarket receipt. He opens my passport. George Clooney does, looks through it. He's like, where's where's your PDI ticket? And I was like, I, I'm sorry. I just no. kind of sheepishly tail between the legs kind of thing. And he, he realized what's going on. It's like, I'll go, I'll go check in the car. I knew it wasn't there. Came back. It's not there. He says, this isn't, as if he knew it was on my head, he's like, this isn't some ticket, some receipt that you get at the grocery store and you throw away. This is a legal document. <laughs> but I'm going to do you a favor here and said, if I didn't help you, you'd have to go back to Puerto Rico. Just Nicolas, this one time. Just this one time. And then he lets me do it, and then, and I'm feeling like I'm a straight edge rule follower. I'm sweating. I'm freaking out. I think I'm going to jail. Uh, and he, he's like, "All right, whatever. Like I'll do it." And he, and he has to fill out this form real quick for me. And he says, "Okay, what, what's your profession?" So I'm a programmer. I'm a software developer. And he was smitten with my occupation. Oh, let me yeah. tell you, he what his mood swung like a hurricane. It was yeah. amazing. And yeah, ended up leaving with with pretty high spirits. A so, new friend. A yeah. new friend. Yeah. He gave me his GitHub account to check out. <laughs> but yeah, thank you, George Clooney, customs agent, for cutting me some slack. To the homies in El Calafate, Mai, Sushai, and Sebastian, thank you for letting us crash kind of unexpectedly in your house for a few nights. Um, we had a killer jam session led by Shooty for the first time. When strangers, strangers ask, can you play an instrument? We both pointed our hands towards shooting and said, yes, we can. We he can. Plays, he plays the guitar. <laughs> we, all know, we, we, we all know how, but he can do it. And uh, had a killer jam session. And it was one of those moments where you kind of fall in love with a complete stranger, even though you... Yeah, you, you being yeah, Tommy. Yeah, me being me. <laughs> yeah, the um, universal you. Yeah, part of my heart will ever be with mine, Calafate. Um, then we arrived in El Chaltén, and we went into the park, uh, the National Park Office, to get the hiking beta for the coming week, and we just had the absolute best encounter with any National Park Ranger we've ever had in any country, so we owe a huge debt of gratitude to the Ranger of the Year in El Chaltén for giving us uh, trail beta, weather info, um, just everything that you could possibly need as a visitor to his lands. Uh, it was a joy to be in your presence. And another real quick thank you to the completely anonymous stranger <laughs> who invented the pizza cone found in Puerto Natales and in uh, Unimark, in a little grocery store. Yeah, super local, uh, hyper-local um, chain. Hyper-local <laughs> chain. And just, it's, it's, a, it's a slice of thin crust pizza wrapped in on itself uh, where instead of an ice cream cone and ice cream, you have pizza dough filled with cheese and tomato and chorizo and just incredible invention. Please spread it throughout the globe. Everyone would be better for it. <laughs> yes. Thank you, said inventor. 
Then uh, another big thank you to Cope in uh, La Tienda de Vino. Um, visiting your store was the first time, I think, on the trip that Tommy and I have been present for a wine purchase that did not come in a box. Yeah. Um, and that was huge for us. Um, so thank you very much for your knowledge of Argentinian wine and your great attitude and those sweet discounts that you threw our way. That was sick. To Flor and Pedro of the Casa de Ciclistas in El Chalten, thank you for letting us into your house when we sheepishly came to the door asking if we could take a shower. Um, they invited us in, let our three smelly selves shower. Um, we then got invited to a big asado barbecue that night, um, which then unfolded into the past three nights of spending the night here, um, sharing meals, sharing laughs, sharing music. It has been terrific. Thank you so much. If you're ever cycling through El Chalten, Stop at the Casa de Ciclista. Also at the Casa de Ciclista, gracias to Leah from France, who is a wonderfully vivacious traveler. She's been on the road for six months. She reminded us how absolutely incredible it is that the little icon that we have on our Patagonia jackets is where we are right now in the skyline. That's really incredible. So thank you for your great laugh and company. Uh, you've definitely added some light to our experience here. And thank you very much to everyone who has been gracious enough to throw some bones our way. Um, they have been put to wonderful use um, in the far, 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 far south of the planet. Um, so to everyone who has given a spoke nation, we greatly appreciate it. Also, side note, Shudi let us know as a listener... There's been some confusion as we refer to you all as listeners as our Spoke Nation. Singular. But then we also refer to Spoke Nations as in doke, as in donations to the Spoken Tour as Spoke Nations. So we'll try and be better. Which, as we break it up between singular and plural, I guess it makes more sense. Yeah. It's but all about context clues. See. And in the context of this episode, we have arrived at the finish. Elfine. Elfine. Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, oh, we have one uh, listener question um, from the one and only Kate Medicis who wants to know what is the the m most useless thing that you two have carried throughout the entire journey. Um, I knew the answer as soon as I read the question. Throughout the entire trip, I carried a uh, flexi um, <laughs> beach frisbee. Mm. Didn't use once. No. Not a single time. Um, I would say our, our Goal Zero solar panel. Roughly the size of a laptop. It's been in my pannier. Never had to use it because we both have backup batteries that can charge shit for a week. Yeah. Um, I also laughed when I received this at your expense because of the amount of things that you've held on to that you do not use. Like that the is, frisbee. That is, that is a jab. That is something that I found very funny. Um, I'm sorry, but... I had to laugh at you. No offense taken. I am not a minimalist. I'm more of a thrower awayer. Get rid of. Leave behind her. We're going to leave this episode behind, folks. <laughs> and we're going to move on to the adventures that await. And uh, we will speak to you very, very soon. Keep dreaming. One, two, three, four. Pedaling on to the end of the world Making friends around every curve Telling stories, pedaling on
pedaling on to the end of the world, making friends around every curve, telling stories, pedaling on.